Neuropathways, a Cleveland Clinic podcast for medical professionals exploring the latest research discoveries and clinical advances in the fields of neurology and neurosurgery. Welcome to another episode of Neuropathways. I'm your host, Alex Ray Grant, neurologist in Cleveland Clinic's Neurological Institute. In an effort to explore the latest advances in neurological practice, today we're discussing Lewy body dementia, evaluating and managing the disorder with Dr. Jim Leverance, director of the Lou Ruvo Center for Brain Health in Cleveland, Ohio. Jim, welcome to Neuropathways. Thanks for having me. Jim, I know you're not a native Clevelander, can you tell our listeners where you're from, where you trained, and when you began your career at the Cleveland Clinic? Sure. So it's, it's a little complicated. My family's actually from the Cincinnati area of uh, Ohio. Uh, but my father decided to go work for Boeing when I was a very young child. And uh, we moved to Seattle, where I pretty much grew up, did my undergraduate medical school there. I knew uh, right from the beginning of my medical school career, and even as an undergraduate, I was very interested in the brain and um, disorders like Lewy body dementia and Alzheimer's disease. And so after medical school, I went back east to New York and trained at the New York Hospital in neurology and then University of Chicago for geriatric neurology and, and neuropathology, and then went back to Seattle and thought I'd be there for the rest of my career. And then about Five, six years ago, the Cleveland Clinic called and made me offer. I couldn't refuse to set up a program here in Cleveland. We already had one in Las Vegas. And here I am five years later, enjoying my, my time here at the Cleveland Clinic. That's great. And charging right along, too. Charging right along. The first step in understanding Lewy body dementia is ensuring that we're all using the same terminology. Can you define this disorder for us? Sure. I usually like to start with saying that uh, we hear a lot of different terms and we often hear from our patients they, these questions and from families. So what I start with is what's dementia. And dementia usually means you have a change in your thinking skills that has affected in some way your day-to-day -day functioning. Some of you may have heard of mild cognitive impairment, which means that you, you have a change in your thinking skills, but you're still maintaining most of your normal day-to-day -day activities. What I like to call the Lewy body dementias are the two main kinds of dementias that we see uh, linked to Lewy body pathology that we see in the brain at, at autopsy. The one most people are familiar with is starts with a dementia and often has characteristic changes like hallucinations and Parkinsonism, motor Parkinsonism. But what people often don't understand, the other half of that Lewy body dementia picture is the Parkinson's disease dementia. And for many years, we didn't think Parkinson patients got a change in their thinking skills, but as the disease progresses, that turns out to be a much bigger issue than even the motor symptoms that they have. So we have two Lewy body dementias, one that starts with a cognitive change and one that starts mostly with a motor change. After a number of years, they can look very much alike. So let's talk about the diagnosis of Lewy body dementia that is you know, more traditionally understood. What, what are the current criteria to try to make that diagnosis clinically? So the criteria have been revised over a number of years. Uh, the latest published in 2017 in neurology really focused on the classic symptoms that we see. First of all, a person has to have a, a dementia as we defined it earlier. And then uh, four core symptoms. So there's the visual hallucinations that everybody understands and, and hears about. 
Parkinsonism, uh, usually motor Parkinsonism, less often the classic asymmetric resting tremor we link to Parkinson's, but more slowed, stoop posturing, shuffly gait, fluctuations in which a person uh, will have good days and bad days, and I often ask that simple question, and then something called REM sleep behavior disorder where they act their dreams out at night, and that's been very strongly linked to having Lewy body changes in the brain. What's been added recently is the idea that you could have this dementia with Lewy bodies that presents with dementia um, with one of these core symptoms besides dementia with a biomarker. And the biomarkers typically are the REM sleep disorder documented in a sleep study. So something as a neurologist, for example, if you hear about a sleep study, you may want to double check. Sometimes it's buried in that, that sleep report. Uh, and then a dopamine scan, a DAT scan, which can show a reduction in the dopamine input into the striatum, typically used in Parkinson's, but actually when it's positive, can be very helpful in a dementia patient. There is a cardiac adrenergic input study that we typically don't do much in the U.S., but it's very common to do in Japan. How would that differ from Parkinson's disease dementia, dementia merging in a more typical Parkinson's syndrome? Well, the consensus at this point is that if your dementia kicks in within a year of onset of your motor symptoms or precedes the motor symptoms that we classically link to Parkinson's, then it is a dementia with Lewy bodies. If somebody has classic Parkinson's, you have a patient you've been following, they started with a resting tremor, they were doing viral on therapy, and five, six, ten years into it, they start developing cognitive issues, uh, then that's Parkinson's disease dementia. They both at autopsy, when we look in the brain, have these Lewy body inclusions. And as a part-time neuropathologist as well, uh, I can tell you I can't under the microscope say, did this person start with Parkinson's uh, motor symptoms or did this person start with a dementia or hallucinations or one of these manifestations? You know, you've seen a lot of people of this type. And what are, what are some of the core clinical things that you hear from patients and families that get you thinking about the Lewy body dementia idea? I mean, what, what really triggers your thought process in that? Well, typically what I'll, I'll get is, number one, I'll watch them as they, as they walk into your office. Um, I used to work at the VA when I was in Seattle, and people would, when I'd ask them to walk for me, they'd do a military mark, walk down the hall, and then as I see them leaving, I see them stoop, shuffly. The classic dementia with Lewy bodies, people who start more with a cognitive change, They'll be more subtle. They won't typically have a resting tremor or asymmetric. They'll just be a little stooped, a little slow, and that may come and go. That may fluctuate. The other thing that I've noticed over the years is they, they don't typically have the memory loss that you would think about with Alzheimer's. So you need to find out what kind of symptoms they're having. They tend to have more insight, and occasionally they're the ones that bring themselves in and say, something's not quite right. I'm struggling keeping up during the board meeting or, or whatever. And you have to ask about the REM sleep disorder, which is acting out your dreams. Uh, and usually you have to have right a bed partner because you're asleep and dreaming during this. And the families will go, oh, I didn't know that was important. But yeah, he yells, screams, falls out of bed. He hurt himself once, that sort of thing. To document that, you really need to have a sleep study. And then to ask about hallucinations. I've been shocked at the number of times I've asked somebody, do you ever see children, animals, other animate objects, and the patient will say, yeah, I, I do. I always see these little kids. And the spouse will look at me and say, they've never told me that. He goes, well, it wasn't bothering me, so I, 
I didn't mention it. And that's also something that I sometimes see. They're not frightening oftentimes, at least initially, like we would see in, say, schizophrenia or people saying bad things about you. Occasionally that's the case. But usually it's just it's small people, small animals. There's always a dog. Sometimes the family will say, we knew something was wrong when he said to set the table for those three people sitting in the corner. And many times the patients will laugh. They'll say, I know it's not real. I had one person say, every morning I look out in the backyard and there's a mariachi band out there. And I, I know there isn't a mariachi band in my backyard. It's interesting. They're aware of the non-reality of the hallucinations. It can be. And, and, and in that circumstance, I often won't be aggressive about treating the hallucinations. Although I would say it, it tells you, you have to ask the question and it often tells you something that the patient would never think that maybe it's important I mention this to somebody. So you have obviously a large practice of people with both forms of Lewy body dementia. Can you tell us what the typical course of treatment is? I mean, how would you approach treatment for these two types of dementia? Well, number one, I think it is important to do your usual dementia workup, which is make sure that the blood work is normal. I will get a, an image of, of some sort, um, usually an MRI if I can. Uh, and here at the Cleveland Clinic, we have the, the volumetrics available to us so we can measure different parts of the brain. Traditionally, these patients often don't have a whole lot of brain atrophy. And then uh, a good physical examination, asking these pertinent questions that we mentioned. If everything else looks pretty good, then I usually will start with a cholinesterase inhibitor, the denepazil, the rivastigmine, uh, the galantamine. There is data. In fact, rivastigmine, I believe, is approved for Parkinson's disease dementia. But we often, most of us in the field recognize that these patients often do better than my Alzheimer patients do with these medications. They help with that uh, ability to stay on track cognitively. And there's some limited evidence that it helps with the reducing hallucination frequency and severity. What about using traditional Parkinson's medicine for the dementia problem? I mean, does that help? It doesn't generally help the dementia, uh, but we do see patients who respond to the therapy motor-wise, and I see a variety of responses over the years. So some people have more hallucinations. I would say I've been drifting a little bit more towards giving it a trial if they're having significant Parkinsonism that's affecting their their day-to-day -day life but giving the family and them a, a warning that this could increase things like hallucinations. Speaking of the family, is there anything else that you do in the Center for Brain Health to help the families out? Is there any other things we can do to help them with caring for a person with dementia? Well, sometimes it's just letting them know what's a part of the disease and what's part of something else that they should be wary of, and that these patients can vary. Uh, I, I think the toughest question I get is we have some patients who fluctuate pretty dramatically and they've been to the ER three or four times where they were tough to wake up, they were very confused, and then the whole workup is negative and they, uh, and they go home. And, you, you know, is this a, some sort of significant event or is this a part of the fluctuations? And giving them some advice at least that that, that can happen, much like you see motor fluctuations in Parkinson's disease. So, Jim, what about the use of antipsychotics in people with dementia? What, what would you say about that? Well, certainly we see, the, as I mentioned, the visual hallucinations in the uh, Lewy body dementia patients. And typically, if they're not bothered by them, then I, I don't treat them. I, 
uh, I don't know if I, I like to use the term sometimes with my trainees, happy hallucinators. And sometimes patients think that funny, sometimes they, they don't. Uh, uh, but if they're not bothering, then I try not to treat them. The other thing, as I mentioned earlier, is the cholinesterase inhibitors like the denepazil, the rivastigmine, the galantamine, can be very helpful in reducing the, the, the frequency of hallucinations. When I typically have to use them is when people are having uh, delusions associated with them. So they believe they're real and they're calling the police or they're running out into the streets, that sort of thing. I always explain to families and patients that those have significant downsides, right? They're sedating typically, uh, but I would say most of us in the field use, have been using quetiapine, which uh, we don't have clear evidence that it helps, but it's our clinical experience and doesn't have the, the negative side effects that you would think with the traditional haloperidol and those kinds of traditional antipsychotics. There is Pimavanserin, which has been approved uh, for Parkinson's-associated psychosis, and we're certainly interested in looking at that kind of medication further uh, for treating hallucinations more safely in these individuals. We, we've made great strides in dementia in general. Can you tell us about the latest research, both in the field and also the work that you and your group are doing? Sure. Um, we just had a, actually an international Lewy body dementia meeting in Las Vegas, and really brought the world's experts together. And I, I think the big focus has been on looking at these individuals over time. What does it tell us when we see a dopamine transporter scan, for example, the DAT scan is negative in somebody we think has Lewy body dementia. Some of the treatment questions you asked. What we're seeing is a lot of variability. Some patients seem to, to progress fairly rapidly and other ones, it seems as if it goes for a very long time. And some Parkinson patients, it's very uncommon, but 10, 15 years really haven't had a whole lot of, of cognitive change. The big focus I think right now is how do we use these biomarkers, the blood, the spinal fluid, the genetics, the imaging to define patients and figure out better ways to treat them and who should be treated with which particular medications. Um, at the Center for Brain Health here in Cleveland, uh, we have a couple of studies now focused on that, clinical trials. Um, we also have what we call a Dementia with Lewy Body Consortium. And this is a nine-site consortium led by us here in Cleveland, looking at patients longitudinally over time, very detailed evaluations, uh, but really trying to see which evaluations work best for predicting how people are going to do and ultimately how they would best respond to disease-modifying therapy. And we also just awarded an Alzheimer's Disease Center, but one of the focus there is, is on Lewy body dementia as well. So we're very excited about the opportunities. Uh, now the, the work begins. So if somebody was interested in being involved in the research you're doing, is there a way that they can get connected with that? So they can call the Center for Brain Health here in Cleveland, and our number is 216-445-9009, or they can email us at cbhresearch, all one word, at ccf.org. Well, Jim, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time and insights. Thanks, Alex, very much. This concludes this episode of our Neuropathways podcast. You can find additional podcast episodes on our website, clevelandclinic.org slash neuropodcast. Subscribe to the Neuropathways podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you can access real-time updates from experts in Cleveland Clinic's Neurological Institute on our Consult QD website, 
consultqd.clevelandclinic.org neuro, or follow us on Twitter at cleclinicmd, all one word, that's at cleclinicmd on Twitter. Thank you for listening. Please join us again soon.